0: Hello and welcome. My name is Mark Blatstein, the physician and founder of Physician Pre-Sentence Report Service. Let's see if I can get this a little better. Okay. So if you're facing indictment, sentencing, or you feel you're the target of an investigation, I hope you listen to this through to the end. For transparency, I too was convicted of a felony about 20, about two decades ago, about 20, a little under 20 years ago. There was never any issue regarding the quality of patient care. And I was grateful back in 2010 to have my license reinstated in full. But at sentencing, the judge did say that he did not want to see me back in my courtroom. And I thought that because I had an attorney that was a former prosecutor, that they're the best of the best. And so I guess I, you know, I didn't do my due diligence. I don't know. I'm sure he was trying the best he could, but I don't know that that translates to an excellent white college a- attorney. And so, because we then next asked if we could do it, appeal the indictment, not the sentence. And we were clear on that. And the judge said we could. But... I was also the deer in headlights. I was pretty panicky the whole time, so I was not a great participant. And you really need to participate with your attorney through your entire defense to get the best outcome. And so a lot of what I'm going to go through is going to be preparation. Preparation is going to be what caused me to eventually transition from patient care into working with those of you who are justice-impacted and essentially facing the Federal Bureau of Prisons. But at the time, I was unprepared for a litany of things. First, when I got out of, I went to a federal prison camp, and this was a freestanding camp. And even with that, I did not know what to expect. The when I went there it was very limited fencing. The staff secretary came out, brought me inside, and all of the other inmates that were coming, working their way down from higher security places, told me that, you know, it, it this was Club Disneyland. I didn't know anything. I left there, went to the appeal. By the time we were barely done making the appeal, the judge's gavel hit the desk, and appeal denied. I was. He told me I had to go back to prison, and I almost fell through the floor. I didn't know that was an outcome, and I knew nothing about a narrative or release plan. I had nothing. I knew nothing about what to expect from prison, from federal prison. But now I was on my way back to a satellite prison camp. So what's the difference? Well, the satellite prison camp is is adjacent to a medium security prison. This one was. The other one was freestanding and so now i had to go and all of a sudden i'm looking at guard towers people that are shackled and handcuffed and <clears throat> razor what wi- razor wire and i went in and i went through the screening process and then they told me that you were going to put you in solitary confinement you could be there for up to a month we don't have any of your paperwork and the door clank shut and like I'm getting claustrophobia and I'm going, I don't get it. And so all of this was adding to my list of what I was unexpected and unprepared for. And so I proceeded to, you know, constantly ask the guards if I could leave this solitary confinement to go to the bathroom, to go get a drink of water. Eventually, psychologist, psychiatrist, doctor, I don't know what the woman was, came down took me out of solitary confinement, stuck me into a small office, and eventually came in to talk to me. Crazy white boy. And she wanted to know if I was suicidal. And I looked at her and I told her no. And she wanted to know if I was anxious. And I said, definitely. And she wanted to know why. And I told her because I was in a federal prison earlier. I did my time. I got out. I had an appeal. I lost, I was denied, I was told I had to come back here, I arrived when I was supposed to, I came in, all the judges' orders, the commitment orders, the pre-sentence report is driving down the road because I self-surrendered, I'm not allowed to call the car to have it come back with the orders, and I'm going to have to sit in solitary confinement for up to a month, I said, I just can't do that. And so she told me to sit still, and I don't know how long it was. I'm sure it wasn't a long time, but for me, it seemed like forever. And eventually, they me had someone escort me up to the satellite camp. But the moral of the story is, I was unprepared. And it's only years later that I learned that if you're going to a satellite camp, this is what can happen. And so it's very important that being prepared is critical for someone everyone handles prison differently but for me being prepared would have made a big difference and so this was a significant reason that caused me to to have like a career change and so part of my mission is is wanting you to, to have is wanting you to be prepared, but is also, I want to earn your trust. And in earning your trust, I also want you to understand that you also need to participate because this will take both of us. You also will need to get an attorney who, in addition to being a criminal defense attorney federally, also needs to have experience fe- practicing in federal court with crimes similar to what you're facing. You're going to need to feel comfortable with this individual. And follow their recommendations. Don't, when they ask you to do something, there's a reason that you should do it. As I said, you want to have experience in cases similar to yours. All of this stuff is available on my website through YouTube. No attorney and no, but I'll, what I do is say is, <clears throat> is help mitigate the sentence or sentencing, help with sentencing placement into a BOP facility, when you get an indictment, the feds have 98% of the people who are indicted or people that think that the feds are snooping around after them wind up going to prison. So I help mitigate that. And so at the end of the day, the, you can't, no one can t- promise what's gonna happen. When I ever did a surgery, I can't promise a patient what's gonna happen at the outcome. Well, I like to think I know what you know mostly what can expect, but nobody can promise. Nobody can tell you what the judge or the Bureau of Prisons can do at the very end. They can't. It's just it doesn't happen. And so the earliest that you become aware that the Department of Justice is something's beginning to happen. the earlier earliest you begin to prepare, the better but at any point in the process it's better to start rather than not not starting at all you don't want to be an ostrich having your head in the sand because your tail is going to be out there blowing in the wind and that's not good at all as soon as you know if your crime is involving some sort of substance abuse or a sexual issue and the instant you know and where you know that they're sniffing around an indictment you get a target letter, whatever, however you know, you want to enroll either in Alcoholics Anonymous, Gambler's Anonymous, Narcotics Anonymous. If it's a sex car, maybe do some sort of online sex therapy. If you can afford it, A you know an, an in-person therapy type program. If you have with your attorney, they may think that you need some sort of flore- forensic, forensic psycho- psychology evaluation, whatever the attorney feels you should do. If there's some sort of restitution involved, begin trying to put away some sort of money each month to bring to court, even if it's only $100, so that you can put towards the restitution. If it's millions of dollars or even hundreds of thousands of dollars, and you're driving around a Jaguar, a Maserati, get rid of it, get a Honda. The judge doesn't want to know, and they're going to know. That you're driving around an expensive car but you want leniency if you have multiple homes start selling them if again if there's the financial penalty congress and the department of justice and the bureau of prisons want you to offer as soon as you meet what's called you'll meet when you get into prison with your unit team or a case manager they're going to want you to offer to participate in a financial responsibility program so what that means is that there's something called the first step back, which hopefully you're aware of, but the this allows you to take programs that allows you to earn credits, that these credits will allow you to get out of prison early. So six a year's worth of pre- credits will approximately equal six months of prison time where you can get out early. Approximate, not exact. At the same time, if you have if you're taking in a thousand dollars or more a month, you may want to offer a couple hundred dollars a month towards the financial responsibility program. If you're taking in a couple hundred dollars a month, you may want to offer twenty five dollars a month, maybe seventy five dollars a quarter or something like that. But you have to offer something. If you refuse, then that may they may they may not offer you the ability to earn time get the, your earn time credits towards release. You don't want to spend time between a guilty verdict and sentencing doing nothing and being depressed and playing cards and watching TV. Get a job, volunteer, do something. Uh, but you can't be doing nothing. You also should spend time writing your narrative your narrative is your story it's your autobiography it's your it's your history from childhood your interaction with your family siblings through you know high school elementary school high school Did you work work through summers did you go to college not college your parents were they home was what was the life like with the interaction between your parents between you know you your siblings and your parents after you went left home, went to college, or went to work, and then how did that? How did you wind up getting in trouble? And this narrative, part a large part of it is how did you wind up getting? Uh, how what caused you to get into trouble? How did that happen? And you, it has to include where you get accept responsibility for your crime. You have remorse for what you've done, and you and you. Understand that you've caused pain to the victims that, uh, that you have perpetrated. You 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 have you understand that you have caused the pain to the victims for the crimes you have perpetrated. And all of this you can see through my website and my YouTubes for more information. You have also written a release plan. Why a release plan? Again, this information is on the website and YouTubes. But when you go into your sentencing hearing, one of the things the judge is going to ask you is that, what are you going to do when you're released? They don't want to see you back again. I learned that the hard way. And so you need to begin to have a release plan. And so the early, believe me, even though it seems like a distant time, you need to begin to start working on a release plan. And the simplest way to write this is that because you're going to have time is that as you've been sitting since you've you know if you've been arrested you were indicted and you've had time to think that you didn't realize thought that you were as bad as you what you've did done is was as bad as you you didn't think it was as bad as really it is and that you caused as much pain as you did but and you know, in, now that you've had time to think about it, um, you, you know, you, you've taken responsibility, and that you, you know, you won't be doing this again, and you will definitely not be back in this courtroom at all. And you expand on that, and again, you can go to my website for more information or YouTube's. I've Mentioned when you go into prison, you will be meeting with unit team and case managers, which have tremendous discretion over you. The first step back programs, you just don't automatically start taking programs. You need to take an assessment, a risk assessment. Spark 13 is what it's called, assessment. And there are questions. And so it seems to me that if you're able to see these questions before you get there, You can also weave these answers to these questions, you know, where appropriate, either into your narrative or release plan. And so by doing that, you'll actually seem more prepared, both to your probation officer, to the judge, and to your case manager. And so all of this information now, your lawyer is going to give to you, in addition to all the other information that your probation officer needs, for your pre-sentence interview several weeks before your pre-sentence interview so all of that information now they can enter into their documentation so that by the time you get to your interview first it's not going to be as long second of all that the, your inner the probation officer won't be under the gun as much and they may actually appreciate having the time to casually enter this information at, at their leisure more or less and then have time to personally sit and have a conversation with you, which will get to have give them time to know you on a more personal level. So why take all of this time to do all of this work? Because they're stakeholders, and what are the stakeholders? Stakeholders are the persons that are responsible for your future, and who are they? Stakeholders are going to be the judge, the probation officer, the prosecutor, your attorney. It's going to be, once you get into prison, it's going to be the case manager unit team. These people have tremendous discretion over your future. <clears throat> and so regarding the, your family, you and I, you probably, they they everyone believe, believes you, that you don't have to be in prison, but that doesn't matter. The stakeholders, they believe now you're guilty. You pled guilty. Or you were convicted, and so now the stakeholders need to see that there's a reduction in your criminogenic needs, especially because you've taken, hopefully, the Spark 13 assessment. You've taken the first step back programming, and so now they need to see that your criminogenic needs or risk assessments, are those criminogenic risks have been reduced and they're seeing this incremental improvements over time. And that is a very big deal. And so the things that you're doing over time to help is by you're now developing your incremental, you're developing this incremental improvements over time. And I go through that more detail over the website, but you're basically documenting all of the programs that you're taking so that you can show your case managers and unit team what you're what you're learning. And surely there's going to be frustrations, there's going to be disappointments over, you know, why you're in the Federal Bureau of Prisons, no doubt about it. We read about it all the time online where the Federal Bureau of Prisons, they're having trouble calculating or earn time credits. But there will be staff that are going to be helpful and there's going to be staff that are going to just give you a hard time. The only persons, though, that you can control is yourself. And so that you're just going to have to keep a positive outlook for yourself and try and ignore the staff that will give you a hard time. You have the Federal Bureau of Prisons as a new director. She didn't come up through the ranks of, you know, correction. She came through psychology. Your case managers can wind up being an advocate for you as long as you don't get infractions and you do everything according to the first step back programs. You just do everything correctly as you mitigate your way to freedom. And I hope you found this helpful. If you want to enlist me to work with you, to help you mitigate your sentence and engage with my services, I would be more than grateful to work with you. I thank you for taking the time out of your day to listen to this YouTube in its entirety. Give me a call and let's have a conversation. Again, have a good day and thank you for taking the time to listen.